0: Um, As you have heard, I am indeed uh, Sarah Majors, and it is such a joy to be with you all this morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, if I missed you doing my rounds this morning, um, don't worry, I look forward to talking to you soon and sitting down over coffee or tea or beer or whatever your drink of choice may be. Um, My great hope in being here is just just to love you all and get to know you and do life together. In Jesus' name. Um, Whatever you've heard about me, the rumors are like 100% true, good or bad, probably. (laughs) A few things as we start our time together. Every preacher is different, and so I just want to give you a little bit of insight about how I function every week for preaching. Um, For me, I have a really hard time deciding what scripture or scriptures to preach because the Bible has a lot of stuff in it. And there's a lot of things to pick from. And so I use what's known as the revised common lectionary. And if you don't know what that is, it's this really cool tool that has been created by people who are much more intelligent and scholarly and Bible knowledgeable, that's not grammatically correct, biblically knowledgeable than I am. And what it does is it moves through the scriptures on a three year cycle and every we're preaching different scriptures and hearing different scriptures, and it helps us dive into the scriptures in a breadth and depth of ways, and I love that because it prevents me from picking things that I would pick off the top of my head because it's what I want to do. Um, it also helps you to know what's coming. If you are somebody who really wants to, you can go home and like look up the Revised Common Lectionary. It's free online. You can see what the scriptures are gonna be every week. You can go home and look at it afterwards. You can do your own study more power to you if you would like to do that so it's something that I like to use because it's just a great tool that doesn't mean that I don't sometimes jump off of it and do my own thing if the spirit is like really telling me I should Um, but it's a good base for me for our scripture today I'm gonna be using um, one of my stress buys from moving (laughs) this is uh, the inclusive Bible Um, And I heavily encourage you all to go look it up and buy one of your own. Um, It is probably the coolest biblical translation I've ever seen. And it is put together by a group of priests and other people who are incredibly well educated. And what they did was they didn't just take another translation and rewrite it in an inclusive way they actually looked at the original greek and the hebrew and translated it in a way that honors the original text but also removes the boundaries of gender and other things that often get in the way when we read scripture it's just super well done and i'm very impressed so this is the bible i'm going to be using and i heavily recommend it Um, i will tell you the font is literally the smallest font i've ever seen in my life So you're gonna need like a microscope or um there might be a large print edition i don't know those are questions for the internet and not me but (laughs) our scripture lesson today with all of that comes from mark chapter 6 verses 1 through 13. and so friends i'm going to invite you to take whatever posture feels most comfortable to receive the holy word as it comes to us from mark whether that be sitting or standing or kneeling or closing your eyes. And hear now, friends, these words from Mark chapter 6. After leaving there, Jesus came into his own town, followed by the disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And the many listeners were astonished and said, where did he learn all of this? What is this wisdom that has been granted and these miracles that are performed by his hands? Isn't this that carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simeon? Are not his sisters also here with us? They found these things to be stumbling blocks. So Jesus said to them, prophets are not without honor except in their hometowns among their own relatives and in their own households. And he could work no miracles there apart from laying his hands on a few sick people and healing them. Their lack of faith astounded him. He made the rounds of the neighboring villages instead and spent time there teaching. Then Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them they should take nothing on their journey except mere bread, sorry, except a mere staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belt. They would wear sandals, but he added, don't take a spare tunic. And Jesus said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave town. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you As you leave it, shake off the dust from your soles of your feet as a testimony against them. And so they set off, proclaiming repentance as they went. They cast out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God, and all the people said, thanks be to God. It was incredibly ironic to me, that in my first week of being here, the scripture that shows up is the one where Jesus goes to a place to preach for the first time and that he's essentially just like mocked and kicked out. (laughs) As I read this, I thought to myself, man, I'm not saying there's some like 500 year old lectionary, lectionary writer sitting in a cavern, like cackling to himself because this is the one Methodist got on their first Sunday of moving, but I'm not saying that also didn't happen. (laughs) My hope for this Sunday is that we can explore and unpack this scripture a little bit and read it together and figure out what the heck is going on here without actually doing a live reenactment. To give you a little context of what is happening in this scripture, we are at the very, very beginning of Jesus's ministry. And we have really no clue what's been happening. We know Jesus is born. We know one time as a teenager, he was a little bit difficult and he ran away and Mary was very annoyed. And now we've got adult Jesus and he's setting off in the world to do his Jesus thing. He's a ripe 30 year old man on his way to begin ministry in the world. With some of his new disciples, he decides to go to his hometown first, to the place where his family resides. And you have to think maybe this synagogue is familiar to him. Maybe it's the one he came to as a child. Maybe it feels like home. Maybe it's the place where he did lots of growing and spending time with God and came to understand a great deal about who he is and his call in the world. Now, for some of you, maybe you didn't grow up in church. But if you did, maybe you understand this. Maybe you understand that feeling of going home. I grew up in a rural church and they're big on homecoming. It's like the biggest Sunday of the year. And really, it's just because we love a good potluck. (laughs) It's all these farm people who cook every fried food known to man, and it's so good. But what we love about it is all these people who haven't been in a long time walk into the sanctuary, and it's home. It's an old church, it's been around like 200 years now. And so for a lot of people, their roots in that community are deep. And I imagine that's how Jesus feels as he walks into this synagogue. This is a place where he has roots. This is home to him. He comes to this place expecting to be welcomed with open arms, these people know him. And that's not at all the reception he gets. And I have to think, man, that's a bummer. When you walk into home and realize it's not home anymore. Jesus begins to teach in the synagogue he has come to and the people are not at all here for it. They're not interested in what it is he has to offer. Instead, they're like, who does this guy think he is? where did he suddenly get the authority to teach and preach show me your credentials jesus you're not qualified for this he's not a scribe he hasn't spent tons of time learning what good has he ever done the problem with this story is that jesus's hometown friends know him or at least they think they do. They think they know who Jesus is, and it's not someone who's capable of being a preacher or a teacher or perhaps even any kind of man of God. They've known him for a very long time. They know his family. They see him as the, just the child of a regular woman, the child of Mary. And they leave out that he's the child of Joseph. Because in their eyes, he's not. Their family is not important or of any kind of large means. Clearly, Jesus is one of a bunch of children. We get the names of his brothers, and then he's got all these mystery sisters that the Bible thinks are not important to name. Jesus, more than anything, in this hometown is a bastard child. And that's important to remember. While we know Jesus is the son of God intended for Mary to have, for the town they are in, Jesus was a scandal. They all know him. They all know the story. They know Mary wasn't married, but she wound up pregnant. Jesus is a nuisance. He's born out of wedlock. He's the son of a woman who I think people in common terms would call a whore and Joseph was kind enough to marry her anyway kind enough to do the right thing when she wound up making a mistake that's how this community sees Jesus he's not accepted by these people while they might know him they don't welcome him because of what they think they know about him They don't want him teaching or speaking in the synagogue. They don't want to hear what he has to say. And truthfully, it's laughable now, right? This is the literal son of God in God's house, being judged by people made in his image and deemed not righteous enough. These are people who are looking at the man who is their savior and saying, nah. Not that guy. He isn't holy enough. He isn't good enough. He isn't educated enough or experienced enough or capable of being a servant to the Lord. He's a product of sin. And he couldn't bear any good fruit. They take great offense at Jesus's attempt to preach to them, they reject him, they refuse to sit there and let him do his thing, and it catches Jesus off guard. He genuinely thought these people would embrace him, and they do the opposite. And while we don't get a deep glimpse into how Jesus feels in this moment, I can't imagine the depth of that pain. When the people you think will welcome you, don't. When the people you think will listen to what you have to say, say that you have nothing to offer. There are things here in this story, there's so much that I just want to point out to you. The first of which is that I am not comparing myself to Jesus. It may be my first Sunday here. Like Jesus, I am young. (laughs) In fact, I'm 27 and ahead of him. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm fresh out of ministry. I'm fresh in the world, doing my thing. And like Jesus, I'm figuring out what that means. Also like Jesus, I have a call. And for now, that call has brought me here to do God's work. But more than all of those things, the scripture shows us that sometimes people refuse to see the holiness that lies within others, even if that other is God, God's self. Sometimes people look at another person's body, they look at another person's history and say, you can't have anything to offer me. They look at Jesus in this story and say, you don't have anything valuable to offer us or God. Sometimes we as people are sure we know what qualified looks like and what holiness looks like, and we miss out because it shows up on our doorstep to preach to us and give us the good news, and we miss it because the body that it's in just looks like sin to us. I'm not saying that I'm perfect, because I'm not, but I'm also saying it's a joy to be here. It's a joy to preach the word of God to you in the best way that I know how, and I am not qualified because I am just a person. I'm not Jesus. I'm new and young, and I'm going to make a lot of mistakes and say a lot of really weird things. And I hope there's some good in it. In fact, I'm sure there will be good in it because God is in there somewhere. And friends, more than that, my hope for you is, you know, that truth is for you too. It's not just about me. The Methodist Church believes in what's called the priesthood of all believers, And what that means is every person has a call upon their life every person is called to something this is mine as best i can tell and it's not better than yours it's just different in fact it might be worse My hope for you, friends, if you have ever been in the same position Jesus is in in this story, if you've ever felt rejected, if you've experienced feeling like people just won't let you be who you are, and they won't see your body as holy, no, you're not alone. Jesus himself gets rejected because people think they know who he is and decide it's not good. They decide the word of God can't come out of his body. People, friends, are going to think they know who you are. You're going to think you know who other people are. People will look at you and say, no, you are too fat. You're too queer. You're too broken. You have too weird of a history. You're too difficult. You're not able. You're too much of a screw-up. You're too much just in general. (laughs) Whatever it is you are, people sometimes are just gonna look at you and try to silence the holiness that lies within you. And as much as you or I or we might hate to admit it, we sometimes do the same thing. I often like to tell people that I am very glad I am not God. Because if I learned anything in divinity school, it's that if it were up to me, half the people in divinity school wouldn't be there. Because I have such a difficult time understanding their call. I have such a difficult time understanding what God wants them in the world for. And that's why I am not God, that's why none of us are God, is God. My hope for you is that you never let anyone silence what it is you're called to, I realize that's much easier said than done, right? Jesus tells his disciples, if no one welcomes you, dust your feet off and leave. Walk away. In the words of Taylor Swift, shake it off. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, sometimes that dust is very hard to shake. Sometimes it's more like caked on mud or it feels like we're in a foot of quicksand just trying to pull our feet out and we can't move forward. Sometimes it's incredibly difficult to walk away from those who refuse the call in us because we just want them to see it so bad. It's painful and it's grueling and it's unsafe sometimes. Sometimes. And as painful as it is, I promise you that it doesn't make you any less called. It does not strip you of Christ in any way when someone refuses to acknowledge you. No person or thing can take away that Jesus has placed a call on your life no matter how hard they might try. And Christ invites you to let that be your testimony and today's scripture, he invites you to know that and to name it and not only to shake the dust off but to let it be what you proclaim to others. So friends, let the dust and the heaviness fall. As you walk out of church today, leave it. Knowing Christ goes with you wherever you may journey. My hope for you as I become your pastor here at Open Table is that we will be a community of people who are forever working towards seeing the holiness of all people, to being sure no one is silenced, to advocating for the places where people are silenced and doing the work of removing those boundaries and barriers. My hope is that while I have no idea what the call on each of your lives is I want to know it I want to learn you I want to learn what Jesus is calling you to and then I'd like to put you on a committee to do that (laughs) I look forward to learning more and more about your call to ministry I look forward to learning it, whether it's music or teaching or administration or visiting, or if right now your call is just to show up and sit in a pew. Because sometimes that's hard. If today's scripture tells us anything, it's that we serve a God who comes in the form of a brown, poor, bastard, carpenter's kid. That is the reality of who Jesus is. We serve a God for whom holiness resides in an unexpected body. Salvation comes through a surprise to the world because it looks like what we didn't want it to. We serve a God who makes all bodies in God's image and therefore capable of speaking the word of God. If we as people are only willing to remove our biases and isms and whatever else so that we can hear that word when it shows up in flesh before us this friends is the good news and the challenge of this passage that you have a call that Christ is for you that he invites you to shake off the dust and to come with him to follow your call and he challenges you to be better than the people in this story are when he shows up so that when he comes to you again you don't push him out the door and laugh at him will you pray with me holy god in the beginning of time you picked up dust and you made us. You remind us today how painful it is to be rejected by those who we hope to love us. How harmful it can be to be rejected by those who we just want acceptance from. Who we want to acknowledge the holiness within us. To rejoice with us. In the ways that you lie within us. You remind us that while rejection is painful, it never comes from you even if it sometimes comes in your name. It's not who you are. God, we pray that you would allow us to be a people who see the holiness and the good and the word that lies within all people. Push us to hear when you come to us in bodies that we think just are incapable of doing your work. Push us to be a people who never push someone out. Amen.